teams need to regularly enter a space of transformation. And a debrief session is a session where a team can evaluate how things have been going, what has worked, what has not worked, and what needs to change moving forward. Now, the trick here is that many teams run debriefing sessions, but the sessions are always focused on the task of the team, meaning on our performance and the things that we are trying to accomplish. Whereas the debrief session that I'm recommending to you is a session that is focused on the team dynamics. How are we doing as a team and what can we be doing better? Hi and welcome to the Expansive Business Podcast. My name is Eric Kruger. I'm a keynote speaker, author and team specialist. And usually I'm joined by my very good friend, John Sane. But today he isn't with us. And the reason for that is that he's off in the beautiful hills of Nepal, doing some meditation and some yoga, getting himself refreshed and realigned for the year ahead. And so while he's away, I'm holding the fort and I wanted to share with you today some of my learnings from the past year. So if you've been following along, then you'll know that this year I've had an immense focus on working with teams. It's always really been true of the work that I do, but this year that has been brought into much sharper focus as I've realized that uh, spending time with teams is something that I really enjoy and where I feel I can have a disproportional impact. And so every team that you work with, you learn so much from that team because the team dynamics are so vastly different. Some teams are remote, some teams are hybrid, some teams are back in the office, some teams have trust issues, some teams don't know how to communicate, some teams think of themselves as family teams, other teams uh, don't gel at all. And so you really see a very wide variety of dynamics that emerge from the different teams that you work with. And so what I've started doing is to kind of distill down what are the, the main lessons that I've learned this year from working with teams. And this reflection process has been very powerful and it's been very insightful. And I just made a post yesterday really where I started sharing some of these thoughts. And so what I wanted to do on the podcast today is also to share these with you. So the very first lesson for me this year has been that psychological safety is an input and trust is an output. Psychological safety is this thing that you would have heard about very often if you are at all involved in the team space or working with people. It's an idea that's been popularized by Amy Edmondson. So she wasn't the first one to, to talk about it, write about it, but she's definitely the one that brought it into the spotlight. And essentially, psychological safety just says, uh, do you feel safe enough to contribute to a group, to bring who you are to the group, to share your ideas without the fear of being rejected? Because that's ultimately one of the biggest fears we have as human beings is that we have a, a deep need for belonging. And that need for belonging extends to the teams that we work with. And so if we feel that uh, if in any way what we do or what we say might lead to us being shunned from the group, then we are likely to just keep ourselves uh, to ourselves. And so ultimately, psychological safety says, well, we are creating a space through our behavior that welcomes you, that makes you feel safe and included, and that you won't be shunned for, for speaking up and thinking differently. Uh, one example that sort of solidifies this for me is uh, just the difference between trust and psychological safety is to imagine that you are climbing a mountain and someone is at the bottom holding the rope for you. So you might trust that person to hold the rope, meaning that you trust in their ability and their competency to hold the rope. But psychological safety would be that you are sitting up there high up on the mountain and you are okay enough, you feel safe enough to say, listen, I'm I'm worried, I'm scared, I'm nervous. Uh, 
So you could have trust where someone holds the rope, but you don't feel like you can actually be vulnerable. Um, and that's ultimately the, the distinction for, for me around trust and psychological safety is, can we create both the competence, the um, ability to do certain things so we have trust in people that we know that we can trust them to do what they said they would do, but then also the psychological safety where I feel okay to be who I am and to tell you the things that I'm worried about, scared about, anxious about. So that was lesson number one for me. The second lesson is that changing behavior in a team is really hard. One of the reasons for this is that people tend to protect the patterns that they are in. And the second is that we are so consumed by the work that we do that we often forget that we wanted to change how we do things. So when we start down the path of trying to change behaviors or trying to change the identity of the team, it's very exciting. But at the same time, it's extremely frustrating when we sit in a session and we talk about what this team could be and the potential of the team and what we are working towards. But then the moment we step out of that room, nothing happens. And then we get together a month later again and it feels like we've made no progress. It's, it's incredibly frustrating for every party involved, for uh, you as the facilitator or coach, for the leader that's trying to get their team to a new place, for the team that feels like they want to get to a next level. Um, for all parties, it's very frustrating when you have an idea of the change that you want to see, but you are still not getting to that change. You are still not making that dent in current behaviors. And so what I've just come to realize is that, unfortunately, um, the, one of the biggest challenges here is that people are locked into patterns. And the easiest example to share with you is around gossip. So very often what happens in teams is we have the team as a unit, but then there are these smaller factions that sort of peel off the sides of the team. And so you have these groups of two or three people that are good friends and, and they tend to have sideline conversations about the team. And so let's say that as a team, we realize that these sort of factions aren't conducive to good team dynamics because any sort of gossip is usually not a, a good sign of a healthy team. And so we want to change this. We want to get the team to stop gossiping. Uh, and we sit in a session and we agree as a team that gossip is out of the question. It no longer happens. The biggest challenge here is that if you and I are friends, then you coming to me to gossip about the team in some way means that you are confiding in me um, over you know, the course of months or years. We've created this pattern where it's, okay, we get together, we have a bit of a chat about the team. It, maybe it feels good in some ways because we get to unload onto each other you know, all our frustrations and anxieties about the team. But now, now that we've agreed that we are going to stop doing this, it means not only changing things within the team, but it means changing my relationship with you. That when you come to me the next time and say, you know, I have this thing I want to tell you about this person in the team, I should go, no, don't like, don't tell me. We said we're not going to do that. And that's hard because actually you're my friend. And we've had this pattern of doing things for a long time. And now we have to break that pattern in order to facilitate the greater good, in order to facilitate uh, better team dynamics. And so that's why it's incredibly, incredibly hard because you're not just dealing with um, a team that is in unison moving in the, right, in the right direction. It's that you have to break all of these smaller patterns that have developed over time. And that's actually one of the, the hardest things. This could be a topic that to, to talk about in depth for a very long time about why, why it's hard to change teams. But this 
this idea around the stuckness of our patterns has been a real eye opener for me this year. The next lesson is debrief, debrief, debrief. Teams need to regularly enter a space of transformation. And a debrief session is a session where a team can evaluate how things have been going, what has worked, what has not worked, and what needs to change moving forward. Now, the trick here is that many teams run debriefing sessions, but the sessions are always focused on the task of the team, meaning on our performance and the things that we are trying to accomplish. Whereas the debrief session that I'm recommending to you is a session that is focused on the team dynamics. How are we doing as a team and what can we be doing better? Ideally, when you are trying to change behavior in a team, you want to focus in on one very specific behavior. And so what we can do in the debrief then is to keep reiterating to people that we are focused on this one behavior that we are trying to change. And hopefully it's a behavior that speaks to trust or psychological safety and that cascades, meaning that uh, by getting this behavior right, it, it uh, impacts many other behaviors or ways of thinking uh, and how things are done in the team. But by doing that, uh, by doing the debrief, we keep this top of mind for the team and we are also showing that we are very intentional about this because we keep coming back to it until we get it right. Instead of just moving on to a new behavior, instead of having our minds scattered across many different behaviors, we keep coming back to this one behavior and we keep asking how can we do things better? When, when I speak to, to teams about you know, running debrief sessions or, or just team development actually in general, one of the biggest concerns people have or one of the biggest objections they have to team development is that there's no time. But if you run a debrief session and you run it well, you can probably get away with anything between 30 and 45 minutes for the session. And if you don't have time to do that at least once a month, then I think your team is in some serious, serious trouble. So lesson number four is macro patience, micro urgency. I think Gary Vaynerchuk used that phrase and it's always stuck in my, in my head. And it applies to teams as well, that when it comes to team transformation, we need to be patient. We need to give it time because transformation as a process takes time to start with. But again, we're not just dealing with, we're dealing with one entity, but m multiple units within that entity, multiple entities within the entity, so multiple people in a team. And so therefore we have to give space for transformation, but at the same time, we need to be very serious and intentional about changing mediocre behaviors. That if we are going on this process of transformation, we know that there's always a, a new and a better level. And in order to get there, we need to address the behaviors that are holding us back. And if we can identify that they're holding us back, we should be like we should have some urgency about wanting to address these behaviors. Like they, we should want to fix them as quickly as possible. And so again, I think the debrief structure is actually perfect for that because it keeps reminding us that we need to work on this behavior. So uh, we keep coming back to it. We keep reminding ourselves of it. We keep iterating on it. But then while we we have this urgency, we also know that we need to give people some space. That transformation isn't just a simple process that if we want to tie in even some of the work from uh, William, oh, no, I forget his, his surname, um, it'll come back to me, but if we want to tie in the work William Bridges, the, the work from William Bridges, then it knows, we know that uh, people also have to deal with an ending. And we've spoken about this multiple times on the podcast, that people are dealing with the ending, that they go into the wilderness and that we get to a new beginning. So while we deal with these small behaviors, we need to know that internally people also dealing with their own processes as we transform the team from what it is to what it could be.
The final and the fifth lesson that I want to share with you is take full responsibility. If people aren't changing, then it's the fault of leadership. I know that sounds unfair. I know it sounds like it's not true even, but leaders often think, this is a, it's a perspective problem. Leaders think that it's about people changing. It's about them. They need to change, but it's not. It's about us. It's about we. Like It's a, a collective change and transformation that needs to happen. And so I can tell you in the teams that, I work, that I've worked with where I've seen successful change, in every one of those instances, I will be able to show you a team that has transformed because the leaders transformed themselves first. Very often, you'll get called in as a, as a coach or a facilitator, and you are expected in some way to fix a team. Um, and that never works. It's never that you come in and you just you do some work with the people and because of that, somehow things magically get better. Leadership needs to realize that for the team to change, that truly is their responsibility. It's not the team's responsibility. And when you take that level of extreme ownership, how does that influence how you do things? How does it influence how you approach the change and the transformation? And I think that's really important because ultimately, if we don't set the example first, then there's nothing for people to follow. And if we don't set the example, then it kind of seems that we are expecting things from others that we won't do ourselves. And so for me, it has to be the starting point for when we are going to change is that if we are embarking on this process, I need, I need the leader to be as involved as possible and to be leading from the front in terms of showing the change that we want to see. If you don't do that, then I can promise you any change effort will be completely in vain. So thank you very much for spending time with me today. I really hope that it's been an informative session for you as we've spoken a little bit about uh, teams. So a quick recap here is that number one, psychological safety is an input, trust is an output. Number two, changing behavior in a team is very hard. Number three, debrief, debrief, debrief. Number four, macro patience, micro urgency. And number five, take full responsibility. As always, we really appreciate you spending time with us. If you enjoy these uh, sessions that we put together, please leave us a rating on iTunes. Uh, it's, it's pretty easy. It's pretty quick. And we are on a mission to get to 200 reviews. I think we, we're not that far off, uh, but so every review really helps. And we just love hearing from the people that listen to this podcast. As I said, next week, John is back. He's been traveling quite extensively, but we'll pin him down next week and we'll make sure to deliver an interesting and expansive episode for all of you. Thank you very much and chat soon.